0: Drive with Goodman and Fry presented by Silter Har mazda A no-pressure buying experience in Broodfield at Silter Har mazda Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk. Here's Eric and Terry.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome, Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us, MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Sasquatch Casino. Up in Blackhawk, they're giving away a Tesla. Yeah, they're giving away a Tesla. They always have great promotions up there, so go up there and check it out. Not to mention, they have a sports book as well, terrific food. It's a family-owned business that treats you like family, Sasquatch and Wildcard Casino. Hop on up there. How are you, Terry?
2: I'm doing fine, you know. We'd need to hurry to the first break cuz I need to phone the Pulitzer committee, making them aware of the fine story I just wrote for Colorado Hockey now, after the Avalanche landed here Tuesday afternoon and uh, out at Signature Flight Support, and Jared Bednar was available with Miko Rantanen and
1: Bo Byron. Boy, if that isn't a cheap plug, if I've ever heard one. Time now for The Lead. The
0: Lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park.
1: Okay, Avalanche, 3-1, a commanding lead over the Blues after last night's 6-3 win in St. Louis. Real story, though, Nazem Kadri scored a hat trick after dealing with racially motivated death threats leading up to the game.
3: Yeah, hey, man, unfortunately, I've been dealing with that for a long time. You know, that's uh, sad to say, but that's just the fact of the matter. I'm getting good at just putting it in the rearview mirror. Um, it's a big deal. I try to act like it's not, and uh, just keep moving forward. So, you know, that's what I do, and... You know, I know that doesn't reflect uh, those, some of those messages I got. doesn't reflect every single fan in St. Louis. But, um, you know, for those that, uh, that hate, that's for them.
1: Listen, I know that in the sports media, we tend to over-exaggerate things. We throw out superlatives too freely. I'm as guilty of anyone when it comes to that. But I got to tell you, I don't think it's an overstatement to say the cadre put together one of the most inspiring and gutsy performances I've ever seen knowing everything that led up to it. Here's the thing, Terry. We talk so often about guys or gals overcoming physical injuries to play. We never talk about the mental aspect of it.
2: Willis Reed of the Knicks, Kirk Gibson of the Dodgers, who is virtually crippled. When he physical. To, That's physical. Yes, as I'm saying. Right. So Those, those m- memorable moments were physical the mental ones whether the part of the problem is we don't know sometimes there may be tremendous mental obstacles in front of a player as he performs and performs heroically but we probably but we don't necessarily know about it this is the one where we know about it and i think it became even more interesting today when kadri's family released and posted the actual text of some of the messages it's, and so in that sense it became even i in my mind it became even more impressive overnight
1: because of that Well, I got to tell you something. I just saw something on Twitter that one of the knuckleheads who sent something to Kadri asked, I believe it was a journalist, to find a way to stop talking about it because I think it's a family member of one of the knuckleheads Mm -hmm. said something like, my relative was drunk and he wasn't thinking and I, I wish he wouldn't have done that. Is there any way we can take that down? And I'm thinking, you know what? Twitter muscles are a funny thing, aren't they? Especially when they are fueled by alcohol. Do, dude, deal with it. You made a mistake, and that's fine, but don't fall back on the excuse that you had too much to drink. Threatening somebody's life and being a racist and drinking too much, I'm sorry. Don't try and pair the two together. His teammates last night, Darcy Kemper and Eric Johnson, Last
2: night, representing the team, and today Bo Byram and Miko Rantan and representing the team, both praised, uh, figuratively hugged him and said how proud they were of him, and so it was a rather inspirational moment. And if the Avalanche go on to win the Stanley Cup, remember this was combined with several things here. It's combined with with the more mundane, the less important that they are clearing that second round hurdle. It looks like, although although we we do need to put a little bit of breaks on in that the avalanche have blown 3 to 1 series leads before right uh the the 2014 against the Minnesota Wild when Nathan McKinnon's rookie year they were up 3 to 1 and ended up losing in overtime in game 7 and Nino Niederreiter scored the winning goal for Minnesota and the uh 1998 which cost Mark Crawford his job they were ahead 3 to 1 against Edmonton and lost so put the brakes on a little bit but in this sense if that this helps them get over their, that hurdle. It's it's an even, if you want to reduce it to the competitive aspect, which is almost cheapens it in some ways, uh, it, it's it's that notable.
1: Okay, so I want to take a step back with Kadri again. The only comparable that I can probably think of when it's overcoming something mental, and the two are different, but it is still overcoming something mental, is when Brett Favre lost his father. And on Monday Night Football, he went out there and tore it up. That showed great mental strength. I think for Kadri, this showed great mental strength to be able to compartmentalize everything that had happened over the past 48 hours. When it comes to physical injuries, I get it. The Michael Jordan flu game, Kerry Strug in the Olympics, and Kirk Gibson, I get all that stuff. I'm wondering, and and I'm not trying to sound naive when I say this, what is honestly tougher? Overcoming a physical injury and having a great performance or something mentally that is constantly, it's probably constantly on your brain? I I don't think I completely agree in the sense. I think, uh,
2: unfortunately, you can compartmentalize and once the game starts, it's, it's instinctive. Fair. And so I don't think the mental part of it is, the, the physical part can Fair. prevent you from doing your job. I mean, you're just, you're just unable right. to do your job. So in that sense, I think the physical part is more intimidating and, and more influential. But that doesn't make—I'm not trying to dismiss the mental aspect. I thought the most interesting Qadri, thing kadri said and has been somewhat overlooked was, hey, this isn't new to me. Right. I have had to put up with this crap a long time. He didn't right. say it exactly in those terms. Sure. But I thought that was the most significant part of his pronouncements, both on TNT and at the podium and micro, or at, and at the microphone and at the table after the game. he's made it clear, hey, this is the time you've heard about it. And I think it was pretty well known that, that he's had issues with this in the past, but this is the this has been pushed pushed it this pushed it into the forefront, but it's not unprecedented.
1: Okay, so again, at the risk of throwing out something as an over exaggeration. And I understand that there is a difference because for these two men, it happened over a long period of time. For Kadri, while he's been dealing with this his entire career, probably, it was heightened and magnified over the course of 48 hours. Yeah. These other two guys, what Kadri dealt with, they dealt with every day. But the only comparable I can think of, and, and, and I'm asking you not to jump down my throat because I'm not suggesting that that this is an everyday thing at, at a high level for Cadre. this is similar to Jackie Robinson, and this is similar to Hank Aaron. Death threats. Death threats. You show up at the ballpark, we're going to kill you. Want to play some hockey? Okay. I might have somebody in the stands for you. Okay. Unfortunately, it was far more prevalent than with just Jackie Robinson. No and question. Hank Aaron. right? So if you're using them as examples, examples, then I will agree with Right. And that's the only parallel that I can honestly think of that now they had to deal with it day in and day out. If we're being completely honest, for Jackie Robinson and maybe Willie Mays and a lot of black players in the in the 1950s and the 1960s, they heard it in the stands. But you even want to go back to. Locally or in the state
2: and farther back into history with somebody like John Mosley at Colorado State. Who broke the color line in football in 1939 right. 1939 right which was f- almost 20, 15 years before cu broke the color line colonel mosley was was from manual high school valedictorian grew up in denver went up to colorado state and said hey i just want to play football and harry hughes said okay here's the equipment right they didn't go through any formal uh breaking of the line itself but he was he was welcomed by some of his teammates disdained by others was a star wrestler, stu- became a, a, uh, a, a student body association class president. And so th- my point is there are heroes like this in the past right. that maybe we didn't find out or know about soon enough or even sufficiently su- sufficiently appreciate after the fact. The- these types of, of trailblazing stories probably haven't been told with, with enough eloquence over the years.
1: Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to tell you the story about a Broncos player. When it comes to being mentally tough. And I'm not suggesting that he is not mentally tough. Uh, uh, Marlon Briscoe? No. no. Oh. Okay. So <clears throat> when Demarius Thomas was here, he and I built a pretty nice relationship. And I would always be able to talk to him off the record, pull him to the side. I think it might have been the 2014 season. I think it might have been that season. Do you remember when he was dropping a lot of passes? Yes, I do. Okay. You know the reason why? No, I don't. I'll tell you. Okay, I pulled Demarius to the side And I said to him What do you think's going on You're a great wide receiver And you're dropping passes What do you think is happening And he said to me A little backstory, You know this Maybe some of our listeners don't But I'm guessing a lot of them do His mother and grandmother Were incarcerated
2: yes, For that. dealing
1: drugs Yeah I believe it was his grandmother That was released first Okay That sounds right. And he said to me, I'm having a very difficult time concentrating, even during games, knowing that my grandmother is watching me as a free woman. That's what he told me. That's how mentally tough it can be. Mm -hmm. And I agree with your point that once you're on the field, you're in the middle of the game and you're probably not thinking about it. But I can tell you right now, Demarius Thomas had a very difficult time with that. He was not looking to make excuses, but he told that to me very candidly.
2: And what was your reaction at the time? Wow. Did you go on the air with it?
1: Um, I think probably how I couched it was somebody close to Demarius Thomas told me. Okay. I think I probably said it like that. But then again, I'll tell you exactly what I thought. First of all, I said, wow. My second thought was there are, are, there's probably nobody on the planet who can truly empathize and understand what Demarius Thomas is going through. How many NFL players have a mother and grandmother incarcerated? One is out and they feel this way. Mm-hmm. It's almost an impossible situation to relate to because I don't know anybody who can actually say they've gone through the same thing. Well, how is he able to compartmentalize and, and get, get back on the right track on the field? I don't know. But eventually, he did. I mean, his his mother eventually got let out. So eventually, over the course of time, it wasn't as overwhelming for him. But getting back to the thing with Kadri, mentally tough, that he was able to compartmentalize and not only play well, but stick it to the blues.
2: Does it bother you that the the age of social media has enhanced and uh, facilitated this kind kind of crap?
1: I, I think that's kind of par for the course. We already know that. Yes. Well, here's the thing. As a... The the keyboard warriors can now pop pop up anonymously and say whatever. Well, but remember something. With social media, now fans have direct access to the players. All you have to have is their Twitter handle. And you can talk to them directly. And you can say whatever you want to. Back then, you couldn't. Mm -hmm. But now you can. And now, these athletes are getting these messages. And they can say, they don't see them, they block, yada, yada. I get that. However... Once the first one comes through, it could be pretty jarring. You might block them next, but it doesn't mean it doesn't go through.
2: Could this have happened in Denver in a parallel circumstance? What do you mean? Would 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 Avalanche fans or Bronco fans or Nugget fans react under similar circumstances and be just as dumb as St. Louis? Some, abs- some, some abs- absolutely. Some. And, and Nazem Kadri showed a little class there. Showed class there by uh, pointing out this is not. You look around you in the the arena. These are not the people necessarily. I'll I'll
1: put it to you this way. Do you know of any town that doesn't have a racist component to it with its population? The answer is no. I'm trying to think of. No, no. You know what I mean. Yes. Major city. With that, there are plenty of racists who are sports fans. You sure? Yeah. So the point is, is that would would it surprise me? If some people in Denver did this, no, we're not immune to this. I'll ask you, would it surprise you if somebody from Denver went into a theater and shot everybody up? Would it surprise you if somebody from Denver went into a high school and shot everybody up? It's the same thing. People are people everywhere. They just are. Coming up after the break, we're actually going to talk about the game. And was there a defining moment in the game where you thought, man, this series is over? That's next.
0: Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric
1: and Terry. Welcome back, Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry. Watch us at MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz
0: is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance, the Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303 790 8089. That's 303
1: 790 8089. Well, let's talk about the game in general and the situation that I think essentially ended the game and probably the series for them. Avs up three, one second period. David Perron, Pavel, I, I always mispronounce his name, uh, uh, him too yes can you help me with that danny uh is that right buchenevich anyway
3: i've heard buchenevich a lot but i usually say buchenevich how about pavel piece of garbage
1: and david piece of garbage (laughs) how's that they went after kadri uh cross-checking penalty on david perron by the way he was fined five thousand dollars whoop-de-doo uh that is the most he could have gotten as a penalty. No suspension, but according to the CBA, he could only be fined five grand. Uh, penalty expired, the five on three. Kadri scores right after the penalty expires. That's four to one. Effectively a power play goal, but certainly not technically. And the game is three to one. And the Blues are still in it. Four to one, you're cooked. At least with this Avs team, you're cooked. And I'll go back to what Jared Bednar said. Is it about ego? Or is it about winning? If it was already 4-1, to one, go for it. 3-1, it wasn't big enough of a gap.
2: What did we talk about yesterday? We talked about how you asked me, did I think there was going to be retribution and that kind of they thing. They picked the wrong time. And, they were and fools. I, and I said, there, will, there won't there will be. But if the game gets out of hand, yes. Was it out of hand at it, 3-1? It, 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 no, it right. wasn't. That's why it was just moronic. They're a dumb I, team. I would fire Craig Barube tomorrow for about Six things, but you just blew, literally blew the chance you had in that game. When we talked about the Steve Moore-Todd Bertuzzi game in uh, March 2004, what everybody tends to forget is the reason it happened was that uh, Steve Moore had actually fought Matt Cook earlier in the game, and everybody thought it was over. But in this instance, the Avalanche got ahead 5 to nothing in the third period. Todd Bertuzzi's on the ice, goes after Steve Moore, and all mayhem breaks loose. International incident. Uh, a blot on the reputation of hockey, if that's possible, uh, and it was all because the Avalanche were ahead five to nothing. So in this case, it was three to one. The Blues admitted that, essentially, in my mind, they admitted they were out of the game, and yep. they didn't need to be. And that was just nope. a loser's response. And two guys go off to the box. So, so it isn't just one guy getting a game misconduct, or a, you know, even Drew Cadre into a fighting penalty if he was. If he responded to the goading, in this case it was two guys in the penalty box, and they were fortunate they didn't give up a goal during the first two minutes, but they gave up a goal right after. It was effectively a power play goal, and it's just stupid. And then Craig Berube, well, for allowing that to happen, for kind of be, being the leader of, of well look at his reputation and insinuating there was going to be retaliation, I'd fire him.
1: You know what? Mark Crawford was the head coach of Vancouver when the Bertuzzi incident happened. Is that correct? Yes. Mark Crawford led the Avalanche to the Stanley Cup title. Yes, he did. Okay. He and Joel Quinville, his assistant, were an effective team. With that, Craig Berube and Mark Crawford have a lot in common, don't they? Well, I... I, Hold on. Let me finish. Okay. They both won Stanley Cup titles, so you can say, these guys are Stanley Cup coaches. These guys led their teams. And you know what in a moment of adversity when they lost their goalie Perubi showed me yes he won a stanley cup title and good for him (laughs) but he also showed me i don't want him to be my coach and the same thing with mark crawford i understand they won a title i get that but you know what i learned for all the criticism that jared bednar has taken over the previous three years getting knocked out in the second round he stayed level-headed. He stayed calm. Unflappable is the use, word I use most There often we in the go. In, in, the, in the storm with the choppy seas, he kept the boat afloat.
2: And even even when he was being criticized for not being emotional enough, uh, the picture in that paper showed him screaming at somebody on the bench. Right. So, that, I mean, that was the most comical part about that. And he's uh, paid his dues to make the hard climb from e- ECHL player all the way up through the ranks as assistant head coach, and then the AHL as assistant, getting fired by the Blues as their AHL head coach, which may enter into in, in, may enter into this in a tiny unforeseen way. But in this case, uh, he he and then he made it back up the ladder and took over when Patrick Roy unceremoniously uh, exited prematurely, exited over the course of a summer. So in this case. I think he's shown he's the third tenured coach in the NHL. Now he's shown that he's paid his dues. He's shown that he's an adept judge and, uh, keeps his team from getting too high, too low. And I think he's doing a terrific job. And this shows, this shows in in a sense, he doesn't let his emotions get, doesn't let emotions carry him away. I mean, he was, he was a rough and tumble defenseman, right? He was a guy who had his teammates back. He was a, Not not necessarily an enforcer, but he was the guy who stepped in and had his teammates back as a player. So that's the context for all of this in some ways.
1: I'm going to use this Binnington incident, talking about Baruby, the way that I described my television career and my radio career. Meteoric? No, that is not the word I would use. And if you gave me 100 words to use, that would not be one of them. Okay. You find out how good you are. As a broadcaster on live television, not when everything's going right. You find out how good you are when everything is going wrong. When the teleprompter isn't working? Teleprompter isn't working. The director rolls the wrong video. The scripts are not there for you. Then you find out, are you really a pro? Can you handle adversity <laughs> when, you are, when you know you are on live television? And there's no safety net there for you. And how are you going to find a way to get through it? Anybody can do a show when the teleprompter is working, all the videos rolling correctly, and everything is going right. Anybody, I honestly believe, can do that. Anybody can do that. But when everything is falling apart on live television, you're going to find out how good you are. And for Craig, Craig Baruby, when everything was going wrong, he did not handle no. adversity well you well, two things. And hey, when he won a Stanley Cup, everything was going well, so he looked like a great coach. But when it wasn't going well, as an we interim fa- coach, we found out who he was when adversity strikes.
2: No, no question about it. But he, he, uh, he, egged this on with a comment about his rep- cadre's reputation. That was just gratuitous. It wasn't necessary. There's
1: a way to stick up for your players, and yeah. then there's a way to not handle. It the and right and then when he was asked about. Hey, you have you heard about
2: cod- the threats Cadre has received? All you have to do there and say, hey, there's two issues here, hockey and away from the rink. We're talking about, let's talk about hockey, but I will say that, that nobody, nobody wants to be associated with that kind of crap. Kind of
1: like how former Avs defenseman and current Anaheim defenseman Kevin Shattenkirk handled it on Twitter today, saying exactly what you said. Two different things. That stuff does not belong on the ice. And Shattenkirk was traded
2: for Eric Johnson in two thousand eleven. Very, that's, that's very right. adept offensive right. offensive defenseman. But in this case, uh Berube blew it. I- I'm disappointed in Doug Armstrong, the general manager of the Blues. He's not gonna and, fire
1: him in the middle of the series.
2: And the Blues are no, no, I'm I'm just saying for not forcefully stepping up and issuing putting on Twitter the Blues want to make it clear that we don't associate ourselves
1: in any way, shape, or form of those morons. How, how do you like what the NHLPA did today? They put out on Twitter, this is not acceptable in our sport. Yes. Hey, NHL, we're waiting. Yes. Hey, NHL, we're waiting, Gary Bettman. But, but the NHL is surely and aggressively trying to c-
2: combat its its image in some ways and in, in promote diversity and spreading of the game and everything else. And this was a... I don't, I don't want to make it sound like, well, this is a prime opportunity for them. But it was, in a way. It was a way they could have shown their sincerity on this front, and they didn't
1: do it. Listen, there are, not, there are not a lot of minorities that play hockey at a very early age. But you know what diversity is in the NHL? International white players. Yes. That's diversity. That's what diversity is. Coming up after the break, CBS Sports gave out its first quarter grades. What did the Rockies get? That's next.
0: Back down. Well, I know what's right. I got just one line.
3: In a world that... Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done.
0: Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry.
1: Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman, Fry. Watch us at You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by
0: Low-T99. Testosterone treatment made easy and affordable. For just $129 per month, they'll send you testosterone, supplies, and the price includes lab work. Go
1: to lowt 99com Okay, CBS Sports gave out its first quarter grades, gave the Rockies a C, and this is what they wrote... Rockies are hanging around 500 so far, but we don't expect that to continue. They have the worst run differential in the National League West, and the record to date uh, is a product of having the major's second-highest winning percentage in one-run games. It was unreasonable to think of this team as a contender, so our advice to Rockies fans is to enjoy the relatively good times for what they are.
2: <laughs> what, is it, what do they mean, relatively good times? They're just not being awful? Being well, mediocre? Right. I think they'll hang around five hundred. That's my major
1: quibble with that. Especially. Well, they're three games under right now. They're in the toughest division in baseball, arguably the toughest division in sports, and uh, they're sitting in last place behind the Diamondbacks. Well,
2: you look at it last night. I thought it was a prime opportunity. They, they got great pitching from Cool and still lost. That that's the that's that's the major problem when they can't put it together. The pitching is just falling apart. Freeland and Marquez have, have just lost it. Right. I hope they. I'm hoping as as an observer, as a fan, that they can get it get their act together, and just, and the starting pitching can get righted that way.
1: I don't know how they're gonna. I mean, C.J. Cron's been great, right? There's some nice stories. You got to give them credit for that one. No, no, I agree. The guy was out there essentially on the street, and he signed him to a minor league I'm with contract. You. Well, and that was a Jeff Bright signing. Yeah. Okay. John Gray is struggling big time, and he's been on the injured list twice with the Texas Rangers, Mm -hmm. I understand over the last four games, Trevor Story has been fantastic. I get that. And Trevor Story is a really good baseball player. Bottom line, he wasn't coming back. But I'll tell you what's killing them is Chris Bryant can't stay in the lineup. And I'm not saying that'd be the difference between being (laughs) 22 and 19 and 19 and 22, but the starting pitching is killing them, and that was supposed to be the strength of their team. He's starting to... uh... Look as if his contract
2: like Todd Helton's could hamstring the team for a while. Yeah. That yeah. was that was the you know, that was the biggest problem with Todd Helton, it was not production or anything else.
1: It was his contract ha- hamstrung the franchise. And I don't blame him for signing the contract. Not one bit. You can't predict somebody's injuries. And and again, I liked the Chris Bryant signing. I did. I know a lot of fans were up in arms. Well, why would you sign Chris Bryant not bring back Trevor Story? Because Trevor Story didn't want to come back.
2: I, I You don't think guys could be bought into returning? I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not disputing you. No. I think you're probably right. No. But at some point, whether it's uh,
1: Jeremy Grant or anybody else, I think money money can talk. Jeremy Grant got offered the same amount of money as the Nuggets gave him. But he wanted to be the man, and he knew he could be the man on a really good They could have told him he was going to start. They could have started him, but I wouldn't have started, honestly. Let's be honest about Jeremy Grant. He was terrific in the bubble. Or, I'm sorry, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He was terrific in the playoffs, and he played great defensively. I'm with you on that. Did he deserve to start? Maybe, maybe not. He was a role player for the majority of his career. But he had a great showing in the bubbles, specifically defensively. The Pistons gave the Pistons gave him about twenty million. The Nuggets offered the same exact thing, but he wanted to be the guy, and he knew he would be behind Jokic, Murray, and MPJ mm-hmm. in the pecking order when it came to how many shots you're going to get. So for him, you know, athletes say all the time it's about winning. No, it's about money. Now, when you're later in your career, um. And you've made a lot of money. It's about yeah, wanting to win. You might go someplace. For Jeremy Grant, it was strictly a play. It was not about money. He wanted to be the man because he knew if he was averaging 20 points a game, maybe his next is going to be a little bit bigger. Trevor Story was not going to stay here under any circumstances. How about DJ to LeMahieu? LeMahieu wanted to stay. He was upset because he and I talked about it. Mm-hmm. He was upset the Rockies did not offer him a contract. There was like two, three weeks to go before the season ended. And he says, so what's going on with the Rockies and negotiations? He goes, Nothing. He knew he was gone. And by the way, this is the second time this has happened to him because he was livid at the Cubs for trading him. I think that's the most baffling part of the Rockies. It's not that... Calling them cheap is inaccurate. Uh, Want me to to describe how I describe the, the Rockies when it comes to financially? No, go ahead. Specifically with Jeff Breidich. Dick Monfort has money to spend. The problem is he's handing his checkbook to the wrong guy. Yeah. And he's spending freewheeling. However... I do not fault, not one bit, I do not fault Breidich for bringing in those three relievers. Mm-hmm. Wade Davis. Um it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. But Wade Davis was a proven player. Yeah. And then they brought in Brian Shaw, proven player. Brian Shaw couldn't handle the altitude. He couldn't handle it mentally here. And then I think it was Chad Dunn. Mm-hmm. He, was a good, he was a pretty good pitcher. So I don't. I don't blame a GM for bringing in a guy when it's a good move. If it doesn't work out because this guy isn't playing well, this guy's injured, unless he has injury history, I'm not pinning on the, that on the GM. He he can't he cannot foresee injuries unless a guy's an injury history. He cannot foresee Brian Shaw mentally checking out because he couldn't pitch at altitude. Mm-hmm. He couldn't foresee that. Ian Desmond that was a bad signing. Yes, it was. That was a really bad signing.
2: But don't think it
1: comes back to it? It isn't. It isn't how much they spend. It's how they spend it. That's my point. He gave yeah. his Montford gave his checkbook to the wrong guy, and he spent that money poorly. Dick Montford, as far as owners go, needs to get out of the way. And the problem with Dick Montford is when he has an opening, he doesn't know who to call, and he's incestuous in the way he runs his business. He wants to promote everybody from within, and he doesn't know who to call.
2: But you you, you praised. You you praise Mike you praise Tim Conley for creating a family atmosphere. At the he Olympics. did. Don't don't the Rockies have that family atmosphere? Uh, they literally
1: do. the family atmosphere. They, they do. They do have a family atmosphere, but quite frankly, I don't care about a family atmosphere. I want to look at the standings and see a team that's winning. That's what I care about. Even with the Nuggets, though, they are winning. They make the playoffs every year. Well, I think. Darn do. Well, but wait a minute. <laughs> but but wait a minute. Uh, for the first time since I believe it is nineteen eighty eight. They've gotten to the second round three or four years. Mm -hmm. That's Nuggets history we're talking about here. Yes. Nuggets history. So that's an accomplishment. I don't blame them for not advancing past the Golden State Warriors. First of all, Golden State it was ticketed once Curry came back to go to the Western Conference Finals anyway. Okay? And then you don't have your top two scoring options for the majority of the season. I'm not putting that on Mike Malone or Tim Conley. He doesn't what I put on Tim Conley is he gave a contract extension a max deal to mpj too soon and that's a fair criticism because it turns out the day it happened i criticized it and as it turns out i don't want to be right but i am had another back surgery or had another surgery and honestly i don't think michael porter jr honestly is tough enough mentally he can't guard anybody and i don't think he understands basketball and what i mean by that is he's got a great shot i don't think he knows what to do without the ball I, think, I don't think he has any clue what to do without the ball. He just stands there. He's a classical AAU player, which is I'm the best guy on the floor. I can stand in one spot, throw me the ball. I'm going to hit every shot because I'm better than everybody else on the floor. He doesn't know how to move without the ball. It's mm-hmm. as if he has no court sense. Car- well, Carmelo used to freeze the ball. Carmelo used to freeze the ball, but Carmelo Anthony, outside of Nikola Jokic and probably Alex English and maybe David Thompson, He's on the Mount Rushmore of Nuggets players. Yes. Because he pulled them out of the abyss. Alex English was the most unappreciated of them all. Well, nobody appreciates a mid range jump shot. Certainly doesn't get on Sports Center mm-hmm. back then. They didn't really have Sports Center. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance just in case you missed it?
3: A couple of NHL playoff games this evening, uh, one between Carolina and New York, the other Calgary and Edmonton. We will talk about those games and see if we've got a couple series about to get evened up on the other side right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports.
0: New Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har mazda A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har mazda Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and wild card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry.
1: Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at TFry at Eric Goodman if you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public. Go rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my guy, my friend, Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. I've worked with Eric for over five years. He does my auto. He does my home. He also does my health insurance as well. And a lot of insurance agencies, they do not do that stuff, but he does. And I love the fact that he's quick to return phone calls and emails. He makes me feel important. I got to tell you, a lot of people in the insurance world, they just kind of take you for granted. With that, Eric, how are you, my friend? I'm doing all right. How are you today, Eric? Good. I wanted to talk to you about the claims process sure. uh, and, and how that works with you and how quickly and diligently you get that done for your clients. What is your process?
4: Yeah. So uh, with Farmers, we've got a dedicated claims unit. Um, and once you file a claim, they put somebody on it right away, your adjuster, they start working with everybody, get you fixed up and you know, kind of have everything taken care of right away and then start figuring out how they're going to rebuild your back. Um, I just had a, a water leak in my kitchen, had to rip out a bunch of drywall, fix the piping downstairs. And my claims adjuster was in right away. We had, you know, the plumbers in right away to keep the um, the damage down to minimum. And, and now we've got to start figuring out how we're going to get it back to uh, back to new again. And, you know, we've got a claims portal, so you're always in contact with everybody watching the whole process. And, you know, it's been, uh, as a consumer, it's actually been kind of nice to experience that on, on that end. I'm, I'm usually on the other side of that. So, um, they definitely do the good job that, uh, you know, we know that they're supposed to do.
1: How quickly did they get that done for you?
4: It was minutes. Uh, the second I called it in, it, it started, you know, it started rocking
1: and not because yeah. you're Eric cook, not because nope. you have a farmer's agency.
4: Not at all. That's our dedicated claims team. And, you know, sometimes our rates can be a little bit higher than most, but that's what you pay for, not just somebody that's on a 1-800 line and then you sit around and wait all day. You know, these guys are on the ground, specially trained to handle this stuff right away for you and and take that burden off your shoulders.
1: There are so many insurance people out there that I think that they take their clients for granted. And what I mean by that is, uh, I worked with an insurance guy, nice guy, but... My my policy just kept rolling over, rolling over, rolling over. He's collecting commission check after commission check. Uh, for you guys, it's so important to check in year after year. Why?
4: Very important. And we actually we uh, had a meeting this morning with uh, one of our clients uh, to go over some policy reviews to find out if there's any gaps in the policy, if things have changed, if they've done any remodels that we need to be aware of on their home, make sure we have the right coverage. But what we found out um, with this particular client is they were on one of our older policies. And now we have a newer version of of this homeowner's policy out right now. We were able to look at changing them over, getting them better coverages, uh, more up-to-date coverages, and saving them money on top of all that compared to where they were at with one of our older versions. So it's extremely important, not only just for, from a coverage standpoint, but just to make sure you're on the most updated policy that a carrier has brought out
1: how do people get a hold of you 303-790-8089
4: give,
1: give that number call. again
4: 303-790-8089
1: eric have a great day my friend you too eric thanks much help. time now for the final word
0: the final word Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine, well and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance. Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville. Colorado Springs and now open in their new store in
3: Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, NHL playoffs, there are three series remaining after the Lightning finished their sweep of the Florida Panthers. Carolina at New York, 5 o'clock, and Calgary at Edmonton, 7.30, both this evening, both on ESPN. Hurricanes and Oilers lead their respective series 2-1. to Do the Rangers or Flames even the series tonight?
2: I'm going to go with uh, the Flames, the Flames tonight. And I'm going to go with with the the, uh, Hurricanes tonight.
1: So those two. Well, I'm going to stay consistent because those are both of the teams that I thought would advance anyway. So, you know, they better win tonight or else I'm going to look like a schmuck. Not that I don't always look like a schmuck.
2: There was a little bit of ugliness at the end of the Carolina-New York game the other night, too. Right. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how the coaches handle that and how the teams handle that. Right,
1: right.
3: Just in case you missed it, the Nebraska Cornhuskers will suspend their tradition of releasing red balloons after the first touchdown of home games due to a global helium shortage. The program began the tradition back in the 1960s and does it every home game when the Huskers score their first touchdown. Some in the community have expressed environmental concerns about the red balloons and the Nebraska student government even voted to end the tradition last November. Is this the end of that tradition, or as the athletic department announced, is it simply a suspension?
2: It's the end of it. Once things go away, they never come back. I, I don't think. You know, you could, I could even uh, tie this to uh, when the University of Arkansas was discussing whether to pl- keep playing the song Dixie as the unofficial athletic anthem. And there was much controversy down there before they decided, uh, decided this, through the student senate and other means, that they were never going to play it again. Uh, There was danger of a renegade playing of it by the band. The song Dixie went away. I I see this as something similar. And they also did the same thing with the eyes of Texas.
1: Right. I feel badly for Nebraska. Why? I just do.
2: Does does it seem
1: like a big deal to you or what? No. I really don't care. (laughs) You know what? If it's better for the environment... Get over it. There Oscars is a place
2: called There is a place called Nebraska.
1: Good old Nebraska. U. Yeah, their, you, you got
2: to get in the spirit. Is that there?
1: Uh, you got to go to the Sidetrack Lounge on the day of a football game in Lincoln.
2: You got You got to hear. Yeah, them.
1: yeah. I need to, I need to go there in the 1970s and 80s when they were good. Well, they they still managed to have a good time. No, they have a good time. But they just don't have a very good they team. Put a Misty Steakhouse. There's, there's, a, there's a statue of Jerry Taggy behind the bar. They they found out in a hurry, in a in a New York minute. That the Big Twelve is not the Big Ten. They found out that very quickly once they joined. That the they Big don't Ten. have they don't have the Kansases to push around anymore. <laughs> well, they got they have Northwestern or uh, uh, not? No, no, Northwestern's a pr- pretty decent team. Yes. Yeah. So Nebraska last year finished sixth in the Big Ten West. they have not been relevant in that conference since they've joined. Maybe they've had one good season. They're relevant. Well, they do. They still have a good time. Good. Good. Hope you have a good time losing. Because that's what they're having right now, right? Are they having a good time losing?
3: rather be dead than
1: red. There you go. (laughs) I mean, there's a great saying.
2: But but Scott Frost has shown absolutely no class in poison, blaming, scapegoating his staff for for all that went wrong, including Matt Lubick. Right. And uh, so... I don't have much sympathy for it, to be honest. That was
1: Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk into any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. When you make a purchase, like an appliance, yeah, it's, it's not going to be cheap, so you want to make sure you're getting what you need. You need to work with the sales staff that can really help you out to get what you want, whether it's something to fit your budget, something high-end. They've got it all. Uh, Mountain High Appliance, I'm telling you, it's the best my fiance worked with them and she could not say enough good things about Mountain High Appliance. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break. Just how significant was Nazem Kadri's night on the ice last night after what happened 48 hours or so before the game. That's next. Hey, hey, he's